Good morning, back with Carlos Mencia on the captain's log. I hope you guys had a happy 4th of July. We are in Fort Myers just leaving uh, ABC7, little TV action today. Mm -hmm. How you been? I've been good, man. I've been good. I, uh, yeah, I just signed a deal to do a special, so. Really? Yeah, excited about that. And then, Where are you uh, going to shoot it? I'm not sure. I got we just like we just finished negotiating for it. So it's been what eight years since my last special. Wow! Yeah, I didn't but I'm but I'm ready. You know what's funny? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm I'm finally ready for like the success and the negativity and positivity that comes with the success. Yeah. I just I I wasn't I I needed to I needed to prepare for that. A lot of people I don't know. Maybe it's different when you grow up different than I did but when you grow up poor and you know just the, the dream of doing any of this stuff is such such a distant outlook for you yeah I was not prepared during and after my Mencia for the amount of first of all positivity adulation I wasn't ready for the you're a Latino you represent us right. I was not ready for that it happened I, so quick. Was not ready for that. Well, no, you're just not ready for it because, well, for me anyway, you know, nobody tells you. When, when I first started doing stand-up, I wanted to be funny. Right. That's it. I'm just trying to, like any other comedian, just trying to get a laugh, just trying sure. to find myself. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're thrust into with success, hey, you're representing us well to the opposite of, hey, why are you representing us Negatively, sure. I was not ready for that, yeah. and What's I wasn't the, ready for the hate. Is that either. where a lot of the pressure comes from? I think that the, I, yeah, you know what it was though. It was I never felt the pressure during Mina Mencia mm -hmm. because I wasn't listening to that because I was focused on what I was doing. I was focused right. on the joke. I was focused on the bits. I was focused on what I need to do to be funny. I think it was only until like after, you know, that I first of all. I hated I hate fighting with networks or um, club owners or anything like that. Like I'll give you an example, right? Miami. When I perform in Miami, the club says to me, well, they first wants to say, why don't you make last call? We know <laughs> you like going long. We don't we, we don't want to tell you what time to get off. Sure on the last show that was good because we were going to ask you what you wanted to do right <laughs> and so they just go do last call yeah. so my per person average there is about 15 to 20 dollars higher than any other club mm -hmm. because but Miami's very different because they party until the middle of the night they don't right. care exactly. I could be on stage till 3 o'clock in the morning yeah, and they're, they're still, still selling going. Exactly. right so it's a different environment but they kind of, they, they instead of saying to me like, hey, you got to stick to your time, leave a morning more. They said, look, we know your fans love doing this. Right. We know that your fans come in late specifically for this. So you do that. Then there are the clubs that want to fight me on it. And, you know, I'll, 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 I'll do what they want, you know, barring me being on stage and getting mm -hmm. caught up in a moment. But my whole thing to them is like, look, I want the same thing you want. I want to fill up the club. I want them to come back next time That's I come right. into town, and I want you to make as much money as possible so that I can make much more money. Like, we have the same goals. So It's funny. All comedians should have those goals with clubs and club owners, but they don't. Why is that? I don't get it. Do we not? Like, I don't know who doesn't. 
God, I could give you a list. It's like See, it's a fight. I don't get it. The <laughs> idea is if you make money, we make money. If we right. make money, you make money. That that's how I work. And and I and I love that environment, but it it's tough when you know, it's tough when the network you're on a network and they say, you know, they're fighting you on on every joke and every they premise. They don't let you and, go. How much on the show did they let you just run with? They they were okay about it, but they fought me on stuff that I just, you know, and for me it was like Okay, wait a minute. Oh, here here was one. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I wanted to do a bit on my Mencia about Barack Obama, right? So he was going to get voted in during the first, uh, second season, I think. And I wanted to do a bit that basically said... Like, what do you what are you afraid... What are you afraid is going to happen if we have a black president? And right. then just do... A bunch of jokes of like, what do you think is going to happen? Well, they said, you can't say that. You can't say that you have to word it differently so it doesn't sound like you're saying that this is what's going to happen. And I was just like, but no, like that's, it's a joke. That's the whole so point. So back then, obviously, that was how many years ago now? That's uh, 10, 10, 12, 12 years 12, ago, right? 10, 12 years ago, okay, yeah. so... Do you think that we've changed? It'd be worse so today. It would be worse today. Be worse today. We're worse today. But my whole point is, I, I'm listen. I never, ever, ever write a joke with the thought process. I'm going to offend somebody, or I want to offend somebody. Yeah. You know, the the joke is. I'll, I'll give you an example. Tonight I'll do a joke, where I'll say like, if you get stuck in a hurricane, I I can't feel bad for you, because for. Seven days on every channel. Everyone knows. Our they're telling out. you to get out. Yeah. Like they're literally telling you to get out. Right. And so, you know, a, I'm not going to do that joke in in other parts of the country and not do it in Florida. Right. Right. Because then it's like me talking about you guys behind your back. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. Right. This, so I'm, if I'm going to do the joke, I'm going to do it here. Sure. In in Miles this hurricane capital. In this place. But there's going to be somebody that's going to get offended tonight. And then I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say, and it's the hypocrisy of it, right? Like, if if I were to get shot in a really bad neighborhood at 4 o'clock in the morning, everybody would say, what was he doing in there at 4 o'clock in the morning? But I can't do a joke about, you know, this. It's so... To me, it's it's not about. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. I just think it's hysterical that there's somebody that's that's. You like, want to point out the elephant in the room at the obvious. Yeah, the, it's the that obvious. Funny, of course, it's it's obvious that. And like by the way, it's the only time where every single news channel agrees. Yeah, yeah. They show the they big. Go, go. Sometimes you got this guy saying it's gonna hit on Tuesday. This guy Thursday, it's gonna be a category. No, two, category that's five. that they that that they not they don't disagree on, but they get wrong. Right. But the fact that they even show you all the models, yeah. like they show all the models going right to where you right. are, and and so anyway, my point is is that you know if I brought something like that up in a meeting, they'd say, well, you know, some people. You know, lost their whatever and lost their houses and lost their this and it's like I get it, but every joke has has a foil. Every you know, every joke has something bad with it, and you know that's our job as comedians. And some comedians choose not to talk about this stuff. Yeah, that's okay. I think that's awesome. I do. 
uh, because I want people to laugh at real world stuff so that when they leave and three, four, five, eight days later, a month later, a year later, they see something in the real world and instead of being sad or mad or angry, they... It's comical it's a because chuckle. you talked about it. Exactly. Sure. That That's where I come from. It does from. happen a lot on your show. I, see, I noticed that. Now, this year, you're talking about doing a special. How soon before you shoot the special? Do you know? <laughs> right now, we're trying to get it done um, Do you have a network within the yet? next five months. You know what? We have three networks that want to do it. I okay. can't name them. Sure. And so what we figured is, you know what? Let's just shoot it first. Here's my problem. I've amassed about three, three and a half hours worth of material. Yep. And a special is only supposed to be about an hour, maybe, you know, an hour-ish. Right. And so I got to figure what I got to lose. And by the way, this is that last year, right? I did a thing called Bitterman C on my Facebook page where I put out about an hour and 30 minutes. Okay. So I, I burned an hour and 30 minutes of material last year alone. And That's I still good. have three hours of material right. that I got to figure out. Right. So I, I, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of pressure that I'm putting on myself to make sure that this, this, this one goes. This, yeah, that it's, you know. And are you going to produce it yourself or how do you see that? Like, no, no, no. Well, I get... have a company that wants it. I mean, the production of it, the, yeah. the you know, the. The writing of it and the putting it together, I, I'm gonna do all that. But I, right. but it's still, you know, yeah, it's it's tough because with with edgy comedians, it's really hard for people to help us out because they don't understand where we're coming from. Right. They just like they you take know, the edge off a lot. I see that in uh, yes. network television shows. Yeah. Where they, they come out, of the they love you because you're edgy. Exactly. And then they tell you to yeah. get like everything that. Like, they start off, right, so they start off with milk. Every comedian is milk. And then you got a guy like me that puts cinnamon and spices in it, and they go, wow, this is a great drink. Can we get rid of all that stuff? Yeah, going exactly. Milk Let's do it like, different. It's just milk. Right. Now it's just milk right. again. So it, it's about, you know, it's, yes, you have to format some of it. Yeah, you have to take away some of the, you know, the profanity just because to, to use the F word as an adjective, you know, it, it's not necessary, especially when you do it. So you got to figure it is a, an audience that's at home. So how am I going to get this point across? So there's a lot of tiny technical aspects that do make it difficult to, to put something together. But it's also like really fun. It's also really, really fun. Just like doing podcasts is fun just like doing this is fun because each and every one of those moments is a different moment it's a different place it's a different way so i get to execute these different lever livers you know within my construct of being a comedian and that's fun that's what you're what are you looking forward to the most on this special because it's been eight years now you said eight years I think, wow that's amazing eight years territory. since your last special this special is going to be different how and what are you looking forward to see that's the thing you want it to be different in, in the sense that, you know, you, you want people to think that there's something new there or feel something new there. But when you've been funny as long as I have and put out as much material as I have, that that doesn't really apply. Right. So for me, it's not about different in that respect because then it's going to come off gimmicky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I do one... 
at the border near the wall or if I do right. one in by the prison or if I do the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Any of those things, it's it's not going to work. It's just going to, in my opinion, reek of just desperateness. Sure. Desperation. So for me, it's more about how do I make it unbelievably funny and unbelievably relevant to this moment in time? I'll worry about next year's, next year. Yeah. But this year, I want. I just want to make sure that people go listen to it, see it, and then want to have a conversation about how funny it was and how relevant it was. You know that that multi-layered conversation of like, uh, well, you know, you because you've seen it when people walk out of my shows. There's a group of eight people. You know. Six of them are going, that's funny. And then two of them go, yeah, but that shit that he said was right, real. Right, right. Man, that thing was honest. That thing was, you know, authentic. You know, that kind of thing. So I need that conversation to occur at home. When with, they watch it. With with a sense of relevance. But, you know, throughout the whole thing, a sense of humor, a sense of funny, a sense of, you know, that, that it made you laugh before it made anything else. So... My guest, Carlos Mencia, today on the Captain's Log. You can see him all weekend at Off the Hook Comedy Club. Tonight, two shows. Uh, Saturday, two shows. And Sunday, two shows. Nice. Uh, the show's going to be packed. You can go to offthehookcomedy.com to get tickets. Uh, take me back to the first time you stepped on stage. What was that like? So the first time I stepped on stage, uh, when I first started doing stand-up, I had no idea, none whatsoever, not what comedy was. I, I had no idea what comedy was when I opened a comedy club. So we None. have that in common. None. So how did it how did it happen? I have a I I have a cousin who's in a wheelchair. And uh, what happened was I used to I was working at farmers insurance, going to college, getting my degree in electrical engineering. And uh, I would stay up till after eleven for the first time in my life. And I saw specifically Wait, this is the first time when you were in college that you stayed up until after 11 o'clock? Well, when I started going to college and working full-time, yeah. and I was 18 years old and out of, out of high school, was the first time that I stayed up as a, as a human being after 11 o'clock. Wow. But it was only because I went to work at 7 o'clock in the morning, got off work at 3.30, went to school at 5 o'clock, usually was there for five-ish hours. If I took two classes, I was home by 11, and I couldn't go to sleep. So it's when Fox Network started, and Joan Rivers had a show. And she had a I love lot that of comedians. Show. I love that show. She had more comedians yeah, on her great. show than anybody. And I would go to work and tell the guys, I, I remember telling the guys, like, hey, I saw, I saw these guys doing stand-up, and it was really funny. And then... What started happening was that those guys started asking me to talk to them about stuff that annoyed me. Yep. And the more I got annoyed, the more they laughed. And I kind of didn't understand why they were laughing. Yeah, it was, they wanted it was to like a Joe Pesci moment for me. Like, hey, <laughs> the fuck are you laughing about? Right, like, right. this is really pissing me off. And, <laughs> and they thought it was funny. And the most serious guy, uh, Joe, came up to me and he said in this monotone voice, really funny you should do stand-up and I was like okay what well, what is stand-up so then I just I went and I discovered stand-up and I thought okay I, 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 I think I could do this because let me try it and then I went nah 
Then I was talking to my cousin in a wheelchair, and I go, you know, one of these days I'm going to do stand-up. It's a big mistake, because he looked up to me, and everything I've ever done in my life, I've usually said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to accomplish this, and people are like, whatever, and then I do it. That's right. So he was, he just was on my ass after that, like, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? And one day, I just, I got fed up, and I said, you know what? Hold on. And I called around, and the Laugh Factory was having uh, an amateur night, and so I said, get in the car. So I put his wheelchair in the car. On the way there, I went, oh my God, what am I going to talk about? So I went into a bookstore and I bought a I bought a joke book, yeah. like a, of a, you know those old jokes, two Jews walking to a bar type jokes, and I kind of got a few of them, took a couple of things that I had in my head, changed like the format of the jokes right. around so that, it, that that was more coming from something that I would feel, and I did three minutes, and at the end of the three minutes I said, oh wow, I ran out of jokes, and then I walked off stage, and the owner of the club. Um, Jamie Masada was like, buddy, I love this buddy routine you do, buddy, of like you never do before. I go, what are you talking about? He's like, the way you act, like you've never been on stage before. I go, that was my first time. That wasn't a joke. That's my <laughs> first time on stage. Yeah. And uh, I remember he looked at me and there was a long pause and he went, buddy, don't ever stop doing comedy, buddy. This, this is you, buddy. This is you. Yeah. And that was it. From that point on, I just realized that that was that was the one place where my curious and morbid thoughts could exist and my mother couldn't tell me that it was inappropriate right you know because i always wanted to make fun of my family my friends not even make fun of them just point out their stupidities but my mother was always like don't say that right now don't say that right now don't say it here don't say it now so the stage was like the big one place. Yeah, I mean, dude, I have 78 nephews and nieces. Wow. 78 nephews and nieces. You know what it did? It allowed me to make fun of myself and people that I love with honesty yeah. and not having to take it personally. So it, it all of these things bred me to be the kind of comedian that I am because... To us, it was never mean. It was just honest. You know, when one of my brothers said to my dad, I'm going to be president, and my dad said, you're going to be a truck driver, maybe. <laughs> he wasn't being an asshole. Yeah. He was being real. Right. And by the way, ironically, my brother's the happiest truck driver you'll ever meet. Um, th this is where I grew up, you know, where these... My father... down. He never stopped us from dreaming but he did stop us from overreaching yeah he did tell us that there were you know each of us had certain limitations i'll give you an example i have a brother who one time got uh four d's a d a d plus and a c minus and my father saw that report card and was so happy and he was happy because he passing on no fits yeah yeah on that same that same report card, I got six A pluses and an A minus. And the shit he gave me for an A minus, bro. And I was so pissed because I was like, I don't know why are you making fun of me, dude? Right. I didn't get I didn't even get a B. Yeah. And but but later on I came to understand that he expected more from me. 
I'm not. He was like, you're not your brother. Right. Yeah, so all of these things bred me to be the kind of guy that I am on stage, just brutally honest. I just put it out there. And, you know, I think that that's why people laugh at such edgy stuff. And one of the reasons I love performing at your club is because it's one of the few places in America where I can get a socioeconomic level of people that are hugely diverse. Absolutely. Right? Here in West Palm Beach, by the way, believe it or not, almost adjacent yeah, oh, to each other on so. opposite, right? Yeah. You get poor people. Absolutely. Here's what I say. You get, you get the employers and the employees in the same group. And to make those people laugh at the same joke is just, to me, a, a, it tells me that my material is great. Yeah, when I can stuff. do that, when I can make that happen, that's right. and that—that's—that's that's the kind of thing I like to put together here because it's so authentic that it doesn't matter who it is. Because we've seen so many comedians that are funny to their people, yeah, but not outside of that, right? And you know, I still try to visit comedy clubs, you know, and pop in and just you know do 15, 20 minutes in front of a crowd that isn't there to see me perform so that I can, you know, still breed that comedy connection that's not my, because, you know, when people pay to see you perform, they give you extra, they give you more, but when you walk into a club that they didn't pay to see you, then you have to work hard. So I still enjoy doing that just to feel connected to the to the real comedy grit. Do you write material down? Do you, how, how do you work on new bits? Well, you know this because you've, you've been around. I record all my shows. Yes, yeah, exactly. So because I record my shows, I don't have to write them down. Um, but I have a really great memory. So I actually, once, once something gets into my head and I do it on stage, yep. it just rarely, it just rarely goes away because it's so, um, it's so much a part of my inner soul, the, 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 the premises themselves, you know, the, the premises. Listen, I've been banned from certain cities because of jokes. So I need to make sure that the joke I tell, uh, Laredo banned me for a while. Uh, Orleans (laughs) banned me for a while. Uh, I'm sure there's some other cities that I don't even know about. Um, but, but I need to make sure that if I tell a joke that's going to get me banned from somewhere, I better love that joke. What was you the joke? What, what was the joke that got you banned from Laredo? Um, the it was it wasn't a joke, but it was a joke. It was kind of a comment. Well, here's what happened. The first time I went to Laredo, I fell asleep when they picked me up at the airport. Okay. When I woke up, we were in a community where there were a bunch of warehouses with used clothes. The streets weren't paved, and there was a river. So I woke up, saw this, and went, oh, you didn't tell me we were going to go through Mexico to get to where we needed to go. And the guy, it looks like Mexico. So I was performing in San Antonio doing this festival, and I was, I was like, is Amarillo? Here's a Texas festival. Is blah, 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 blah. And then I said, is Laredo here? small that I couldn't distinguish because there were like 15,000 people in this this, you know arena and I even said like think about it Laredo is the only border town where our side 
is not as nice as the Mexican side. Like the Mexican side is called Nuevo Laredo, which means New Laredo. So even Mexico was like, this Laredo, no, 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 no. This is the New Laredo. <laughs> And so I did that joke, and they got highly offended. They got so pissed. Oh, offended that they there was like later on the mayor was like, "Did you know that we banned you from here?" And I was like, "Oh, that's why I couldn't perform for a while." Uh, oh, okay. So I, but I stand by what I said. Yeah. And it was so funny because later on, when I came back, they talked to me about that, and I said, "This is where I was." And and the, every DJ that I went on radio station, every TV personality was like, "Oh yeah, that's over here in the corner." Blah 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 blah. So you know what I'm talking about. Right. right. Why would you ban me for this? <laughs> that was you're, that you're was that one. It. So you know, but I but I don't I don't I don't I don't take that back. You know what I mean? I, right. I, that 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 was my point of view at the time, and I wasn't like I wasn't trying to be offensive. I was trying to be funny and funny in an honest and descriptive way about something that really was tangible and viewable and yet still right. and when that happens then I get pissed off and that's when I dig in my heels sometimes and you know I kind of go you know what well fuck you if you don't like me then because right. what then, then it becomes a little mean and then I have to tell myself like no don't call me don't call me just come back it's okay it wasn't personal you know they it's that thing where, you know, when I read Carlos Mencia said and made a statement, I like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll call anybody, newspapers that say, excuse me, I don't make statements. I make jokes. Right. So if you want to tell people that my jokes are offensive, that my humor is offensive, that's fine. But don't tell people that I made a statement. Because then that sounds so like you're I'm out there making statements. Right. You're telling, you're, you're no. on a comedy show. It's not a press yes. conference. I got it you. was a joke. Right. And, you know, Say that uh, you know some people laughed, or say that a lot of people laughed, and but you found it offensive. That, that's fine, but just be be honest in your description of it. You know what I mean? Yep. And and that's something that you know. Look, it, again, we live in a society where people want to be offended. They have been wanting to be offended for a really long time, and I, you know, I, I just I don't fall in that category. I don't care if you're offended, then you know. Go see somebody else. I remember I used to end my shows that way at one point. You did. Somebody brought that up to me the other day, and I'd forgotten. I've been doing this for 30 years now. I forgot. <laughs> there was a certain point in time in my career where I would I would go, listen, everybody, I hope you had a great time. I only intended to make you laugh. I love you, and I want everybody to have a good time. And I've offended anybody in here tonight. Fuck you. Right. And that was a part of the show because it was part of me saying, now, Today, that part of me is is not apparent anymore. It's not a big part of who I am anymore. Yeah. To to be that to say it that way, just because I don't I don't need to. I don't feel the need to do that anymore. Not that you know it, it was fun, and I already did it, so I don't have to do it again. Um, it was interesting the other night. Uh, I was on stage, and where was it? Oh yeah, it was in Raleigh, North Carolina. And about 30 minutes in the show, there was a moment of silence, right? And I love moments of silence because it means that people are listening to you. So I love that pause where I'm talking, 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 and then I stop talking and you can't hear, but not even a whisper because <laughs> everybody's so like intent on listening to every word you're saying. Yeah. So, and then this guy, 
goes, oh, like that, like he yawned. So I did the joke, finished it up. And when the joke, the premise was done, I came back and I said, by the way, was that a real yawn? Or were you over-exaggerating a yawn to let me know that you thought I wasn't, like, entertaining to you? Right. And then he said, I just... And then he goes, no, just keep going, keep going. I'm like, no, dude. First of all, you cannot ask for attention. Yeah, yeah. Don't make a big scene about a yawn if it's not... And then... Pretend, you know. So, I remember at that moment saying to myself, wow, 10, 15 years ago, that would have hurt my feelings so bad (laughs) that I would have eviscerated this guy. Like, I would have made him cry and leave. I would have had the whole room chanting, no, 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 no. I would have, like, I would have just just killed the guy right but this but this time you know i i i kind of tried to get something out of him he didn't want to play and then i felt bad for him because i noticed that he was with this hot chick yeah and that's when i backed off because i went are you with this hot chick and he goes yeah and i go oh man i feel so bad for you you're here because you're trying to get laid but you can't leave because she likes me yeah. So you're stuck in this conundrum. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that's so horrible for you. Oh, that's so sucks so bad. I've been there. And then I went off into another tangent that led yeah. me. Um, then about four, about an hour and a half later, literally, I was on stage for two hours. Hour and a half later, I noticed that he's laughing, and I kind of ignored him the whole time. And then I go, oh, dude, you're laughing. And he goes, oh, I was laughing the whole time. I had fun. And I was like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. my God. You made such a big deal about this. I made a big deal about you. And then I moved on. And I, I was really, really, like, I tried really hard not. And then I had to stop myself and go, oh, dude. Oh, now I really want to nail you. But then I stopped myself. And, yeah. you know, so. But but that comes with um, being secure with yourself. Not having those insecurities. Sure. Not, you know not feeling it first of all i you know in in my head i'm telling myself hey there's 350 people in this room that's one person that's don't focus on that one three three percent yeah yeah, don't make this guy the most important thing there there are way more way more important people and that's the other 349 so just do the show for them make it about them you know so but those are things that I don't think that I could have been able to do way back. I know I couldn't have done them way back in the day, but maybe 10 years ago, probably not. I had to go through all of this, that dealing with the after the math, the vitamin C and all that, that led me to be in a place where I can, where I yep. can, where I can do this now. So it's oh, guys, been, yeah, it's been great. Carlos Mencia is going to do last call this uh, all weekend. He's going to, you're going to do it. Come to the late shows. Come to the late shows. (laughs) Offthehookcomedy.com for tickets. Carlos Mencia is my guest on the Catch (laughs) Me Vlog. Thanks, guys. We out. We'll see you next week. Actually, I'll see you tomorrow.